Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. All right, crossover NBA podcast, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. And Howard, it is, as this podcast comes out, we are a day away from the official start of trade season. Wednesday is when uh, I believe 85% of NBA players are eligible to be traded. Now, that doesn't mean there's going to be a flurry of activity on Wednesday. But when you talk to league executives, this is when they kind of really start to lock in on uh, making deals. So uh, happy start of trade season, Howard. (laughs) Happy start of trade season. Uh, I'm just glad that you and I are uh, not um, in COVID protocols and that we have enough bodies to record this podcast. Uh, Unlike the Chicago Bulls, who probably uh, can't even field a like hopscotch team. I don't even know what a hopscotch team would have on it. But I'm uh, I'm glad, by the way, that the NBA – postpone the next two Bulls games. It was the right call. Because, I mean, it just, I know other teams have dealt with COVID issues, but the Bulls have the most serious issues right now. And at some point, you have to start thinking about the integrity of the regular season, not just the health of players, which is, of course, paramount, but the integrity of the regular season. If you're making the Bulls, who are probably going to be in the thick of a playoff race, go out there and play with like three regulars and five guys they signed off the street. 
So yeah. I think the NBA did the right thing. It's yeah, it's 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 rather extreme as far as you know trade season goes. You know, I mean, listen, uh, history has taught us that uh, getting to that December fifteenth date, which is when uh, most of the guys who signed contracts in the offseason become eligible to be traded, it's not like the floodgates open. It's not like there's a bazillion deals. I don't know that we should expect anything in the next couple of weeks, but you know, some things have been simmering all along anyway. Like Ben Simmons was simmering. Um, so with more players eligible to be traded, there's obviously just more. Uh, it's, the market becomes looser. There's there's just more pieces to move around, especially when you want to do multi-team trades. So there's that part of it, and of course, the trade deadline itself. We should note is February 10th. Remember, a couple of years ago they moved it up so that it's no longer you know it's 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 now well in advance of All Star. So the window is smaller. You get to this point in the season, everyone's had their moment where they've realized, oh. Nope. Guess we're not going to be good this year. Everybody can come to terms with where they truly are as a team. And so I think the the clarity of where teams are this deep into the season, plus the December 15th date, plus February 10th as the trade deadline and really only, you know, this this small window, I think yeah, this is when it will will become real. The discussions will become more substantial. How soon we actually get anything for us to be all be buzzing about, you know, we'll see. All right, I want to run through our lists of buyers and sellers that we see out there. But before we dive into that, I want to kind of look at uh, two teams in particular and kind of where we sort of place them. And the first team I want to look at is Brooklyn, um, specifically when it comes to Kyrie Irving. Now, The Athletic had a story this week that suggested there was renewed optimism that Irving would be able to play or would be coming back to play for the Nets this season, Irving, of course, has not played a game for Brooklyn uh, because he has declined to get the vaccine. New York City law says he cannot play home games at the Barclays Center unless he has at least one shot. That, by the way, is going to change at the end of the month when Kyrie or anybody is going to have to be fully vaccinated in order to get in and participate in events at the Barclays Center, meaning two shots of the Pfizer Moderna. The NBA, I mean, we're not going to get into this, but the NBA is progressively moving towards making sure players have three shots um, to be considered fully vaccinated as well. So there's a lot goes into that. Now, the athletic report, Howard, was a little vague, and I'm not exactly sure what I make of it. There was the suggestion that the Nets might be open to Kyrie coming back and practicing with the team and only playing in road games. That was something the Nets had no interest in as recently as two months ago. I mean, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, they were pretty definitive that it didn't make any sense for Kyrie Irving to return and only play in like 50% of the games the Nets had. It didn't make sense to them two months ago I don't know why it would make sense to them now with the Nets holding the best record in the Eastern Conference. Certainly they could use Kyrie, but it still presents the same conundrum of having to basically put together a rotation, a lineup, a system in a way with him in the lineup and one where he's that. So first let's start there. Like your reaction to this report that there's optimism in Brooklyn that Kyrie could return. Listen, I'm not doubting the report. I'm not here to critique the report. But optimism based on what? And that question was not answered within that same report. And so I don't give it 
I, I'm not paying it much mind, to be honest. Um, nothing has changed as far as we know. If Kyrie Irving's going to suddenly, after all these months of digging in his heels, suddenly decide he's willing to be vaccinated, okay, great. But why do we have any reason to believe that that's going to happen? I don't think so. In fact, everything we know about Kyrie Irving would suggest that there's very little to no chance he's going to change his mind on the vaccine. So there, that's out the window. Every indication so far is that incoming Mayor Eric Adams isn't going to dramatically change New York's laws, which, as you noted, are getting stricter right now in the in the uh, last few weeks of de Blasio's administration. So that's not going in Kyrie and the Nets' favor. So then the only thing that leaves is the possibility that the Nets reverse themselves. And that doesn't seem likely. Like, why would they all of a sudden decide you can play just the road games, even though we know you can't play home games by law, and have the same disruption and lack of continuity and concerns with chemistry and how the rotation has to change from home to road. Why would you do that? And then you're still now on course for getting to the playoffs if nothing still has changed. Pandemic's not magically ending, folks. Um, and Kyrie's probably not changing his stance and the city's not changing its stance. So now you get to the playoffs and Kyrie's going to play just road games in the playoffs? Are you kidding me? Like, how preposterous is that? So I'm sorry, like... I. Optimism, renewed optimism based on what? And, and unless somebody can answer that question, I don't think we should spend more than the last five minutes that we've already spent discussing it. I, I just, to me, the resolution of the Kyrie Irving situation will happen when the Nets decide it's time to trade him for quarters on the dollar. Well, that, that's that's what I want to bring up next, Howard, because the Nets, if they do decide it's time to trade Kyrie Irving, are in a unique situation. The 76ers, and we'll get to them, they're looking for as close to dollar-for-dollar value in Ben Simmons as they can get because they're in a different situation, right? Or or dollar-fifty-for-dollar value. (laughs) Exactly. Like, you know, Ben Simmons has four years left on his contract. You know, they're in a position of power here, whereas Kyrie, it's a little bit different in Brooklyn. The Nets, one thing they can do, and I would argue they should do, is not look for equal value in Kyrie Irving, but look for parts that make sense around Kevin Durant and James Harden. Like, as currently constituted, the Nets are what? Among three, four, five uh, top contenders for the NBA championship this year? So the Nets are already right there at the top of the NBA heap. What they can do is find pieces that make sense around their two stars. Like, you can look to a team like Dallas, which would love to get its hands on Kyrie Irving, and which probably won't have, ever have, the same kind of vaccine problems because of Texas that Kyrie is experiencing uh, right now. You could look down there, and maybe there's some combination of, like, Tim Hardaway and Maxi Kleber and, you know, a few other guys, Jalen Brunson uh, in that mix, uh, that you can, that, that makes sense. That would make Brooklyn better right away. I mean, Tim Hardaway, I think, would be a good fit with that Nets team. You know, Maxi Kleber, a defensive-minded guy, would be a good fit with that team. You you have the option, if you're Brooklyn, to look around and make a deal that, you know, on, on paper, doesn't make you... Uh, doesn't make sense, really, frankly. But you can make that deal because whatever you're getting is better than the zero you're getting right now. And the zero you probably will get 
from Kyrie over the rest of the season. So unless you have like Kyrie or Kyrie's camp telling you that at some point before February 10th, he is going to get vaccinated and he's going to get back in the lineup. I think Sean Marks has to look and look aggressively to make a deal for him. Absolutely. They absolutely should. And I don't care. I'm not going to say I don't care what I'd be getting back. You want to get uh, decent pieces back. But no, you don't have to get dollar for dollar. You don't have to get another all-star. You don't have to get some uh, ransom of first-round picks. You're you're not going from Kyrie Irving, all-star caliber player in his prime, to, oh, just pieces. No, you're going from $35 million in essentially dead cap. $35 million that is getting you zero production. You're going from that to Maxi Kleber and Tim Hardaway Jr. or something. Whatever the package is. That actually is a pretty good package to get back, to be honest, because those are two guys who could play for you right now, contribute right now, and would fit in very nicely next to James Harden and Kevin Durant. And that's what you need. If you don't have a big three anymore and the Nets do not right now, and if you have no belief that you're getting that big three anytime soon, and I don't think they should have that belief, then the next best thing you can do is say, we're all in on our big two. And when you have a big two, you need to now... Uh, you know, make up for that that lack of a third star with higher quality role guys. The Nets have a huge gap between their stars and the rest of that group. They could use some punch and a deal like that would work. By the way, it's not that big of a sacrifice. One, because Kyrie's not playing at all. And two, he's got an option to leave this summer. And before you say, oh, he'd never do that. I mean, look at his track record. Forces his way out, his way out of Cleveland, gets to Boston, leaves Boston, you don't know what Kyrie Irving's next move is. Um, he's making $35 million now. He's got a $36 million option for next season. He could turn it down and walk away. Um, and even if he doesn't walk away, even if he wants to return, after all you've been through with Kyrie Irving for the Nets, and this is not a decision they have to make right now, but are you sure you want to resign him to another max deal that's going to extend for four years starting next summer? I... I I know it sounds crazy to say that the guy's incredibly talented and has, you know, a, a lot of success in this league, but man, Kyrie Irving is, is, is right now sabotaging their championship hopes. Are you really going to bring him back next summer? And if you're not, then that's one more reason to say it's time to just trade him for whatever you can get. And there are 27 other teams that will not have this problem, right? The yeah. only teams that have to worry about local laws regarding COVID vaccines are New York, so the Knicks and Nets, and the Warriors in San Francisco. He, for now. He can play for now. For now. Right. I mean, like well, Los Angeles, I wouldn't be surprised if it trends in that direction. Sure. Like, but and other can, cities. You, you can, know. you right, but half the league at least could sure. accommodate yeah. Kyrie Irving right now without any COVID concerns, other than the possibility that he gets it. Um, I think, by the way, I think Kyrie opts out uh, no matter what, because I, I do think, on a even if it's on a short term deal, he'd be able to recoup that money. Like I, there's going to be a team. This yeah. free agency class next summer stinks. Yeah. So Kyrie, somebody out there would clear space right. to give Kyrie two year max. Maybe I'm not sure if you want to commit four years to him, but maybe someone will. But somebody will be out there to pay him that. And I, actually, it's, it's a great point because yeah, if you're Brooklyn, uh, unless things dramatically change in the next month, like how can you trust how this would play out? with Kyrie Irving. Why not go out and get 75 cents on the dollar piece that fit? You've got Kevin Durant signed to that team long-term. James Harden has given every indication he'll sign long-term. In fact, it makes more financial sense for him to wait 
till this uh, offseason to sign a deal. Why not keep building around Harden and Durant and fill in the blanks around them with pieces that make sense? So, yeah, I'd go that yeah. way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I absolutely believe, you know, maybe you wait another couple of weeks, get to the first of the year, you know, Check in again with Eric Adams, the new mayoral, the new mayor, and his administration. Find out what their intentions are. If New York's laws aren't going to change, check in one more time with Kyrie. Hey, Kyrie, you're going to get the vaccine. And if that's still no, and if the city says laws aren't changing, yeah, they're you got it. You got to look. They're the only. I, I can't see Eric Adams, you know, in a city like New York, changing anything like that. Like, in fact, what he probably should do is, you know, level the playing field and say, look. Visiting players can't who are not vaccinated <laughs> well, shouldn't be able to play either. That's a different sure. that's right. a separate I mean, conversation. Listen, I don't know if there's a possible carve out for pro athletes or what like could you find some other exception in the law to not lift the law, not ease up the laws across the board, but make an accommodation that allows yeah, Kyrie Irving to play. I just don't know. New York City's it, not going to go for that. It like, seems unlikely. I agree with you. I'm just saying conceptually, maybe there's a possibility there. But once you know for sure that that's not going to happen, and if you know for sure that Kyrie's not getting the vaccine still. You got to trade him. You have to. You cannot afford to go in, into the latter half of the season and the playoffs with 35 million in dead cap, with an older roster and a rotation that is right now maybe not sufficient to get you through the East into the finals. You know what? If there wasn't so much history there, you know what makes sense to me is to do a deal with Boston. Frankly, like, <laughs> it, like if you could deal Kyrie for some combination of like Marcus Smart and Rod Williams. All of a sudden, you've got a defensive-minded guard. You've got a shot-blocking center. Both guys younger in well, their the 20s. Nets, the Nets do that in a heartbeat. Of course. Like, <laughs> but I think if all things were equal in Boston, if Kyrie didn't have the history he had there and yeah. some of the relationships he has there, uh, it would make sense for them too. The Celtics are having an incredibly difficult time scoring right yes. now. I mean, and we'll get into that. But Kyrie going back to Boston, Smart and Williams going to New York. <laughs> It kind of makes sense for, for both sides. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about Philadelphia for a second because there was another kind of sort of ambiguous report that the Nets, or that the Sixers rather, are ramping up conversations about a deal for Ben Simmons. No teams were specifically listed. Like there are teams in that mix. You got New York apparently emerging as a potential team. Cleveland emerging as a potential team, but it doesn't seem like anything's close with Ben Simmons. And I have to imagine, Howard, that the patience of Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers has run incredibly thin at this point. Like, Ben Simmons has been out since the start of the season. Uh, There have been stops and starts to his practicing at this point. I don't know what he's doing uh, in terms of conditioning with the team, how close he is to being able to play, if he's going to be able to play at all they're in a dicey situation in Philadelphia as long as they keep looking for that deal that gets them close to dollar for dollar value I just don't see it there they could make a deal probably tomorrow to swap Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum but they're going to want a lot along with that they could probably do a multi-team deal that brings back I don't know some some combination of Colin Sexton and others from Cleveland with somebody else like there are there are deals that can be made for Ben Simmons. I think my question is going to be, as we get into January, like, do the Sixers kind of want to throw away this season? If, if, if they don't make a deal and Ben Simmons doesn't play, they're not a championship team. We we know that by now. Or do they accept that Simmons is not going to play for them and the best thing they can do is to get the best possible deal on the table and move on from him? What do, what do you think is the mindset right now in Philadelphia? Yeah, I mean... You know, similar to the Nets, you don't want to waste a season and you don't want to have a dead asset on your on your books. But, you know, different circumstances. And, um, you know, I, I think the Sixers have done, especially during their periods of time when they weren't dealing with COVID issues, the Sixers have done okay for themselves without Ben Simmons. Um, ben Simmons is still in his early prime, is a player who is is incredibly unique and when he gets to his next destination might figure out some of the things that have haunted him in, in Philadelphia. His next at his next stop, he may become a shooter. He may become a more aggressive scorer. He may, you know, whatever that that uh, light bulb that needs to go off could happen in a different environment. Um and maybe with a roster that's built more around him than around Joel Embiid. So if you're the Sixers, you know, you understand you've got value and you want to extract the most you possibly can in a Ben Simmons trade. I don't have any problem with the way they've played it so far, but December 15th being the date when everybody's available and we're far enough into the season that more teams are willing to deal. 
this is when it has to happen. I know Daryl Morey has postured about we'll we'll go three, four years if we had to, the length of his contract. That's obviously a little bit more bluster than anything else. That's but you know, th- they can afford to wait to a point, but you don't want to waste Joel Embiid's a prime year of his career either. I think the East, the path is is there, right? Like the Bucks are really good, but they're down Brooke Lopez and they're not unbeatable. The six the, the Nets are missing Kyrie Irving, they're not unbeatable. Um the Heat are really good. There's a bunch of really good teams, but like the Sixers, if they get a good, the you know, the right return, whatever that may be for Ben Simmons, they've got a shot too. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what that deal is going to look like, Chris. Um, I don't know what exactly they're they're going to get because normally when you trade a player like Ben Simmons, you're cashing out on a star who wants out, and you're getting a bunch of picks and stuff. But the Sixers aren't in that position because they have Joel Embiid. So like, it's a very unique spot. And so now you have to probably involve a third or fourth team and maybe it's picks going to somebody else for some other star. Um, Honestly, Howard, I, I can't believe we're here right now. It's mid-December and like I don't think the Sixers are finding him at the moment. If they are, I think we'd hear about it because Simmons camp has not been shy about sure. kind of putting that stuff out there. <laughs> like what's Philadelphia waiting for at this point? Like, like do you honestly believe... Like, if Simmons is traded to Sacramento tomorrow, like, how many days before he's in the Kings lineup? Two? Like, one practice day and, you know, one conditioning day, and all of a sudden he's playing 15, 20 minutes for that team? We both know that. Yeah. Like, the Sixers, for some reason, have decided to kind of not use their best, the best tool in their box here, which is finding Ben Simmons. That clearly evoked a reaction from him. Yeah, but but nothing was going to get him to play, right? Like nothing is getting yeah, him to play. Three hundred grand a game. I don't know. That might get you on the court pretty fast. It, it, it might. He might just go out there and 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 dog it. I mean, who knows? I mean, he dogged it in practice early on. He does they that, but he does away. that. That gives you. He does that. That gives you license to suspend him. Like I I I, I still All believe. Right, but, but now you've you've just created an even bigger spectacle, right? Like you, you've you've give, hurt him and it? yourselves. Let's, You're like, still paying him. Like, what, what? What's the downside here? I, I don't know. Like, they're a, a pretty average team at the moment. Like, they're getting good contributions from Seth Curry, Tyrese Maxey. These are good players, but they're not a championship level team. So, what's the downside from detonating this Ben Simmons thing? I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't really see it. I, I think. I think. Look. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I think that once you got to got once you have gotten to this point, um, where he's out. He's not playing. He's waiting for the trade. You're waiting for the right offer to make the trade. You're comfortable playing without him, trying trying to force the issue and, and embarrass him or or stiff arm him into getting back on the court through fines and stuff. I'm just not sure it gets you anywhere productive, and so I'm fine with w- the way they're handling it. Um, you know, the, the real question becomes how soon do they get an offer that's worth taking? We don't. We don't really know that they've turned away any really good offers. We know that they've asked for a ransom because everybody around the league has told us they've asked for a ransom and that they've asked for too much. Okay, fine. But is there a serious, a single example of them getting a even reasonable offer that they've turned down? I don't think so because I don't think we've gotten to that point yet. I think we are now at the point, again, trade season opening, that we'll see whether there are real offers and decent offers out there. I think somebody will... You know, somebody will make one. You know, whether that's the Kings putting De'Aaron Fox on the table or something else along those lines. De'Aaron I think Fox's we'll see value something. is that's kind of cratered too recently. De'Aaron sure, Fox I mean there'd have to be some other stuff. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I, if I'm the Sixers, 
I mean, you kind of know who would be available. Like, you can have these discussions about who's available on December 15th. It's not like, oh, December well, 15th, let's take a look at the list of guys that are out there. But but the reason I bring up De'Aaron Fox in, in particular, and I'm not suggesting that they should do this, but, you know, the Kings were a team that had high hopes this season. They have faltered once again yeah, coming out of the gates. If they're not going to be a playoff team or a play-in team, that's when you start to consider the possibility of yeah. a De'Aaron Fox trade or somebody else, right? So, like... It, it is different right now than it was a couple months ago. Teams have had a chance to see that they are not as good as they were supposed to be or thought they were going to be. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right, let's take a look at uh, a few of the teams out there we expect to be the most active for different reasons. Give me your top, uh, let's go with buyer first. Who is your top buyer out there on the market? So... It, this is always tricky, right? Because if you're going to be an active active in the trade market, you are both buyer and seller. But when I think buyers, what I think is a team that's pretty good, but that needs for whatever reason a boost to get from fringe playoff into playoffs or from lower playoff to higher playoff team. My number one team in the buyer list has got to be the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, like this is a a young team that has broken through, that is ready to compete at a high level right now, but has still got a couple pieces missing especially at center like they need a they need a real center and if we're talking about guys that might be available out there rumored to be available like wouldn't they be a great destination for miles turner yeah i agree i agree no i mean miles turner makes perfect sense in charlotte he can play up tempo that's what the hornets want to be with Lamelo ball he can space the floor that's what they need out of guys in their front court now who they, how they get there is a little complicated. I mean, I assume P.J. Washington would have to be a part of that deal. I wouldn't have a problem uh, with that. Uh, what else would uh, a team like Indiana want? Oh, you're not giving up Bridges. You're not giving up... I mean, Boot Knight's not there yet. Um, you're not giving up Rogier. Hayward, I don't think so. Like, Hayward's been pretty good for them. And I don't know... How if that advances you enough? So what what can you put together? Maybe it's Mason Plumley, you know, uh, is a Plumley, um, PJ Washington draft pick deal get it done? It might, it might. I don't really know what the offers out there for Miles Turner look like. I mean, the, the report that the Pacers were shopping, among others, Miles Turner is like, okay, the sun rises in the east. Like the Pacers have been shopping Miles Turner for a couple of years now. Like it's. This is not new with Turner. It's a little bit new with Sabonis, of course, because Sabonis has been kind of one of their franchise guys and you know is an all-star. But Miles Turner, they've been trying to offload for a while. So maybe they would take an offer like P.J. Washington and Mason Plumley and draft compensation for, for Turner. I like Turner. the idea of, of a Gordon Hayward-Miles Turner swap just to uh, taunt the Celtics, yeah. uh, <laughs> who could have know, done presumably the Hayward for Turner like, thing. It does, like, I think you need Hayward. Like Hayward, I mean, I think Hayward, while not like the veteran leader that the Hornets might be looking for out of him, been pretty good for them. Floor yes. spacing. He's also a secondary playmaker oh, no, on I, that team. Yeah. It, it, look, you have to give up something to get something, right? And what the, the what the Hornets have a a uh, not no, a surplus of, but at least have a, a a generous supply of, is guys who can score and handle the ball and do a few things with it in their hands, right? You've got Lamelo, you've got Rozier, you've got Gordon Hayward. Um, Bridges has come along a little bit in that in that uh, area. They got some young guys. Like 
I like Gordon Hayward there because I like having all of these guys be able to do something with the ball in their hands. But if you're going to shore up your back line and your rim protection and have a space, uh, you know, a spacing big, Miles Turner can do all that. If that means giving up Gordon Hayward and giving a little more responsibility to some of those other guys, I would do it. Um, if you could get away with doing less, a Plumlee, PJ Washington pick kind of configuration, sure. But, um, but you know, and the Hornets don't have urgency to strike now. It's a young group; they can they can afford to, to take this slowly. But man. yeah, this is kind of their honeymoon year. Like, yeah, where if they make the playoffs, that's yes. an accomplishment. Yes, it's next year when they have to start doing something. But Turner could help them there too. Like I think getting him now, getting him to play alongside Lamelo Bridges at all uh, would be uh, uh, you know give them a little bit of a running start uh, going into next season. Then you can kind of go into the off season, you know, knowing you've got a five. You've got a uh, two, three, whatever bridges you call bridges right now. You got a one, and then try to figure out how you fill in the blanks uh, around them. I'm interested, Howard. We're swapping text messages and emails about this. You have the Knicks as one of your sellers. See, I had them on the buyer list because while I don't think the Knicks should be pushing all their chips on the table for a championship, they've been so inconsistent and. I do feel like another a tweak or two here or there can at least get them back on the track they were last season. Why do you think the Knicks should be sellers at the trade deadline? Because I don't think they're a tweak or two away from suddenly being last year's team again. I don't know that we've seen anything to suggest that that's the case. Um, you know, let's review. They got a, a career year from Julius Randle in his seventh season suddenly turned into the absolute best version of himself and the question was rightly asked at the time, is this the permanent new Julius Randle or is this the outlier? And you never know the answer to that for sure until the next season comes along. Well, I don't want to judge him too soon. We're about, a, what, not quite a third of the way into the season. Maybe Julius Randle still finds that version of himself that shot 40% from three, that was a great playmaker, that you know hustled as much as he could, at least on, on defense, and that, that was at least passable at that side of the court. Like This version of Julius Randle is much closer to the one that the Lakers gave up on and then the Pelicans gave up on and that the Knicks signed for a pretty bargain basement contract at the time. Um, and if Julius Randle is going to go from All-NBA second team to not even making the All-Star game, which is possible at this point, yeah, then you don't really have a a, a a foundational player to build around. Like, I'm not saying he was ever going to be your number one anyway. He's best as your, your, your number two or three. But you wanted him to be that player that he was last season, in part because now it's more attractive for a star, whether by trade or by free agency, to want to be in New York. Well, if Randall's not that player again, if, he, if, if whatever magic he found last year has eluded him, well, what are you adding a star to? Why is a star coming to New York to play with Randall and an R.J. Barrett who feel, seems like he's kind of plateaued a little bit? And again, R.J. Barrett is young in his career, and, and it's never linear, you know, to to go to improve every single year steadily. Sometimes you see, you, but Howard, he's been like Randall. You almost predict that's going to happen with yeah. Randall. Like yeah. last year was, I mean, given how many years he'd been in the league before last season. um, you could have predicted last season would be an anomaly. Now the contract, it's not terrible, right? Like they didn't give him a max deal, which would have been a disaster if yes. they had done that. I, th- I think that deal is still, you could still trade Julius Randle if you, if, if you had to. Uh, RJ Barrett to me, 
he's been more disappointed because he's the guy that based, I know you said it's not linear, but based on last year, I expected him to con- at least continue to play the way he's played. I mean, maybe not be a 40% three-point shooter, but be close to it this year. Right around right now, he's down to around 35%. Uh, maybe, I mean, I think you should probably expect him to be around a 45% overall shooter. Now he's down in right around 40% from the floor. Like that... In a way, that's been more disappointing to me than the play of Randall, that RJ has not taken that step forward. Um, fair. The problem for the Knicks is they have a lot of young guys who haven't quite taken a step forward, right? Mitchell Robinson continues to to kind of tease and, and then get hurt, and then he's all over the map. He's an unrestricted free agent. Not a great year. Not a great year for Mitchell Robinson to be going into unrestricted free agency. That's No. Um, we needed to go into that, what, like a year ago, year and a half ago, two years, whatever yo, it was. We're we're on year four of waiting for Kevin Knox to to even be good enough to get into the rotation, and he's not. No, I'm done with Kevin Knox. I think um, we've, we've, you know, the ship has sailed. I saw someone say, like, maybe it's the same athletic story, like, teams calling about Kevin Knox. Like, okay, like, what exactly are you going to get back in return from? I'm sorry. Maybe you Kev- can trade Kevin Knox. Maybe you can trade him back to Charlotte or trade him to Dallas to get Reggie Bullock back because Reggie Bullock is not doing anything right now for the Mavericks, and he was really good. For the he Knicks. was really good for the Knicks, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Kevin. Ke- I'm sorry, Kevin Knox is a throw-in in a deal involving somebody else. No one's, no one's giving the Knicks something of value just to get Kevin Knox. He's become what Dennis Smith was last year. Right? Yeah, um, just, just the guy, like with a little bit of potential. So, so here's why they're sellers, Chris. I look at this Knicks roster and I say, what are they building? Who are, and who are they building around? And where are they in two to three years? Because two to three years from now. Derek Rose is 35-36. So are you do you really like is Derek Rose a permanent part of this cuz Derek Rose would look really good as some as a sixth man on a team that's going to make some playoff noise, right? Like Derek Rose has value elsewhere more so than he has for the Knicks right now, I think. Um you know, Mitchell Robinson if some somebody needed a a backup center might give you something for him. Kemba Walker is is not even playing for the Knicks. He's on a, you know, 8.8 million dollar contract that goes to 9-1 next year and that's it. That's it's a two-year deal. Easy for another team to incorporate. If you're not going to use Kemba Walker, I I, I hate to say it because it was this wonderful homecoming, but it's not working out. So this is why I say they're sellers because I don't think there's any combination of these guys that's getting you the player that's going to put you back over the top and put you right on track this season. I do think that you take some steps moving backwards a little bit, continue to try to develop Randall, or, or excuse me, get Randall back on track, develop Barrett, Toppin, quickly. Grimes uh, had a big shooting night the other night. Like, you know, you've got some youth. Can you pick up another couple of extra picks or a young player? I don't know if you're going to find a new home for Fournier, the way he's playing right now. Like, that contract's looking uh, worse than, than the Randall contract at the moment. But the most of these guys are movable, and I'm still looking at who you are two or three years from now, not can you scrap out another, you know, one-and-done playoff appearance. Like, that's not... What is that building toward? So, and look, by the way, before I, I, I finish on this... Alec Burks is on a very reasonable contract, is having a pretty solid season. He could be of more value somewhere else, too. So if you're still trying to chase the idea of, well, we're going to be a playoff team come hell or high water because that's we just we, we want to do it just to do it, just to show that we're making progress. Well, you had that last year. It didn't have much sustainability behind it. If you make another playoff uh, appearance just to be knocked out in the first round, which is what this team looks like at best right now, what have you built? What are you moving toward? Whereas if you could flip some of these guys for younger pieces or picks and continue to build around or and, and develop the young guys you have, 
now you, you, you can say, okay, we've got a lot of different options for how we build, build over the next few years instead of pretending that we've already arrived. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the Knicks are not on a short-term plan right now. As much success they had last year, you know, Leon Rose came in understanding this was a three, four-year, not rebuild necessarily, but a build to get to contender status. So if you can get something that helps you in you know, two years from now, uh, that makes some sense. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Clippers, to me, are interesting, especially when it comes to being in the mix for Kyrie Irving. You look look at the salaries on the Clippers. Like, they've got a bunch of guys that you could make the money work, right? Like, if the Nets ultimately say, we want to just get a bunch of pieces, right? You could get either Eric Bledsoe or Reggie Jackson, whichever one of them that you, you'd actually want. You could add Marcus Morris into the mix, who's been good in the playoffs before, kind of a versatile guy, plays two positions. Um, maybe there's a sweetener there that the, the Clippers can throw in. And the Clippers are probably a destination Kyrie would want to go to, which is something we haven't talked about in all this, because Kyrie is going to hold some power here, where if he says, you know what, I don't want to play there, I'll sit out the rest of the season, I'll opt out of my contract and go play somewhere else. So 
That's a conversation you have to have with him if you're a team looking to acquire him. But Los Angeles, playing with Paul George, eventually, if not this season, next season, playing with Kawhi Leonard, deep pockets in Steve Ballmer. I don't know. You'd need the Nets to have that mindset, right? Where they just say, screw it. Just give me pieces that work. Clippers can kind of offer that. They can kind of throw you some you know, versatile guys that might make some sense in your rotation. I agree. Um, The Clippers were on my buyer list. They are the fourth best team in the NBA in defense uh, based on defensive efficiency rating at the moment, but 25th in offense. And, and, you know, look, that's the no mystery why that is. You're missing Kawhi Leonard, you know, uh, one of the best players in the league. Um, Paul George and Reggie Jackson, the rest of this group, to their credit, have been competitive they've been respectable but we don't know when Kawhi's coming back or if he's even going to get back this season with the ACL recovery getting a guy like Kyrie first of all like go get a point guard period like I think if they could upgrade a point guard period just another playmaker out there you know, Reggie Jackson and, and you know but so these guys are good players but their scores more than anything um you know I, I could see them even you know being a, a good landing spot for Goran Dragic if that deal comes to pass um we don't yep. know why Dragic is away from the Raptors right now um Ricky Rubio if the Cavaliers decide to to move off of him like the Clippers just need Dude, everybody wants Ricky Rubio right now like Rick, yeah. everybody's looking around going like why don't we go after Ricky Rubio when he's available <laughs> like the Clippers are another team too. Like their defense is already pretty good, but they're another team that I that I was like toying with. Like, are they the Miles Turner destination? Like that. Like that's another team that I think he could be an interesting fit with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think anything they can do to, especially juice up the offense right now while waiting for Kawhi to come back. If he comes back, great. Now, if it's if you got Kyrie, you got a big three. If you don't, uh, if, if Kawhi doesn't come back, well, Kyrie and Paul George could do some serious damage in the playoffs, and. You know, look, after the Suns and Warriors, I think the West is kind of wide open. And, you know, you, you know, the, the Clippers could put themselves back in that mix. Paul George isn't getting any younger. Kawhi, when he gets back, ain't getting any younger. Like, I, I, w- I would be all in if I'm the Clippers. Let me ask you this. You, you mentioned the Warriors, just to, to kind of move on for a minute here. Like, should the Warriors be buyers here? Like, they've got a great record. Steph Curry is the front runner for MVP. Draymond Green is at the top of the list for defensive player of the year right now. Is is bringing is you know Clay Thompson coming back is going to give them a boost. How big a boost that is, I don't know. We have to see what Clay Thompson looks like when he gets back on the floor. But this is a team with three really marketable young guys in Moody, Kaminga, and James Wiseman. They also have a big contract and Andrew Wiggins. They are set up to really blow out anybody that wants to make an offer that brings back a rebuilding package. Like, do they... Like, they're not known for making in-season moves. At least not during this um, Curry-Thompson-Green era. But, like, should they be aggressive in the next couple of months? Or do they sit back and go, we've got enough. Clay coming back gives us, you know shades of an all-NBA two-guard, or do we kind of push our chips to the table and say, Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman, some combination of them, the contract of Andrew Wiggins, like, could they go out and get C.J. McCollum for something like that? Like, uh, McCollum's not Damian Lillard, but he's a pretty damn good player. 
and add him to that mix, like or, or somebody along those lines. Like I, I look at the Warriors being kind of a team to watch here because they've got way too many appealing assets to just dismiss as a team that's going to keep it all together. Yeah, um, I mean, I, CJ McCollum with the collapsed lung. I mean, as, as I don't know even where that's where that's going, and you know, let's just hope it, you're right. Uh, we yes. assume that he's. Yeah. yeah, we're operating on the assumption that that he'll be back. And I don't yeah. know. You're right. That yeah. he'll be back at some point. Yeah, let's hope CJ's okay. Um, but. In terms of where the Warriors go from here, I mean, you're right, Chris. If they decided they wanted to package the Wiggins contract with some combination of their young guys, I mean, they could get in the discussion for just about anybody who's available. But, you know, a couple things here. One is uh, the owner, Joe Lacob, I think has been on record a couple times in the last few months as saying he likes the idea that they have these young guys to develop along the way so that they have some semblance of a of a core post-Curry Clay Draymond. The other thing, you know, well, I'll just say it this way. There's nobody I trust more on this team than my old buddy Tim Kawakami, who covers Bay Area sports and a lot of Warriors in particular for The Athletic. And Kawakami wrote an extensive and very interesting and very well done piece about Weissman in particular the other day about how the Warriors think Weissman has star potential. And they love what they're seeing from him behind the scenes while he's been rehabbing from the knee. And they're really high on him. And he's Kyle Kami basically wrote, and there are very few people I would I would put this level of stock in. But he basically wrote, forget it. They're not moving Weissman. Now, could it's Wiggins... a weird fit with that team last year. Like, it was, but... He's a weird but, fit in that Kerr system. He's a weird fit with that team. Granted, like he was playing last year after not playing for basically two years. So yes. it's kind of really hard to gauge at that point. But like that guy... You know, I think he could be a star. I'm just not sure he's a star in that system, if that makes sense. I don't know. Well, the system is Steph Curry. <laughs> and right. to an extent, the, st- it's the system guards. is... It's, it's two guards, and it's Draymond kind of operating as, yes. as a playmaker as well. So, yeah. But um, Weissman would give them something that they do not have and have rarely had during this era, which is that vertical spacer, that guy who can go up and get lobs from, you know, anywhere within a, you know, five feet of the basket. Like he's got the reach. He's got the athleticism. Um, He's a, he's a smart kid, smart player. uh, And he can handle the ball a little bit, even in space. Like they're very high on him and what he can possibly do and the dimension he can give them that they don't get from Draymond or Kavon Looney or anybody else who's going to sub in at center. So I see it. And, And judging him on last season is tough because, you know, Weissman played three games in college, was injured for half of his rookie year, and we haven't seen him with the full complement with the Warriors anyway because we haven't seen him with Clay out there. They haven't played together, but they've been practicing together a lot, and which is also a good sign. Weissman's picking up on a lot of Clay's habits. Um, I don't think they're going to be that team, Chris. Like I think it'd be very exciting to see the Warriors make a move with the combinations that we're talking about. I don't think it's going to happen, and I and I don't blame them. If I'm if I'm this good this soon. And still have Clay come back, whatever version of him it is, and then Weissman come back. Who else is getting two rotation guys like that in the in the midst of their season? At uh, that? You're not wrong. You're you're not wrong. But it's just like if they don't win a championship this year, because that's what it's all about. Uh, we'll look back and wonder. We will. If if they'd made a midseason move, would it have made them better? Like for example, if I'm Bob Myers. I'm at least calling New Orleans to see what's up with Brandon Ingram. Because Brandon Ingram right now is he's on a team going nowhere. There, there's a reasonable argument to be made, and it has been made to me, that Ingram and Zion don't make a lot of sense. Ingram, uh, unfairly to him, 
has been compared to Durant in the past. Well, Durant played pretty well in Golden State. Seemed to fit alongside Curry and Thompson. Uh, <laughs> like, can you make a deal involving Brandon Ingram? Like, you put Brandon Ingram <laughs> on that team, pretty good. Like, that's somebody I'd be eyeballing, at least. See what it takes. Like, the Pelicans, they're rebuilding. They're going to this, sh- like, you know, I don't know if Zion's going to play this year. Yeah, they've got the worst record in the Western Conference as we record this, third worst in the NBA. Like, would you be open to dealing a Brandon Ingram in exchange for two of those guys that I mentioned? Maybe it's just Kaminga and Moody plus Andrew Wiggins' contract. Like, would that not be a pretty big boost? I mean, I don't know if anything guarantees a championship. That comes pretty damn close to add Brandon Ingram to that group of players. So the Pelicans are on my sellers list. Firmly on my sellers list. They should be... It's got to be Ingram, right? Like, it's that's well, the guy. Like, yeah, I mean... There are other pieces that might hold value for teams around the league, but the the Pelicans, let me just cover this real quick. Before people say, well, you got to give it a chance once Zion's back and healthy. Well, Zion's hardly ever healthy, but in the time he's been healthy over his first two seasons, they're 40 and 45 with Zion in the lineup. They're not exactly wrecking people with Zion, Ingram, Josh Hart, whoever else. Uh, I also think we're dreaming about Zion coming back. This latest update, of scaling him back combined with whatever condition he's in combined with the fact the Pelicans are probably going to get to the point where we say, you know what? We don't really need to win. Um, We're probably better off losing. I I just, I don't think I'm there yet to say Zion's done, but give it mid January and in the same place, eh, we might be there. Oh no, I'm not operating on any premise that he's coming back this season or that there's any season to salvage. Even if he does come back, you're not salvaging this season. You're not making a run to the playoffs. My, I think where the Pelicans are right now is this latest, you know, absence by him and rehab and everything else gives you this opportunity to completely reassess and say, listen, maybe this isn't the best alignment around him anyway. And granted, we haven't seen a lot of it because he hasn't been on the court enough, but there is plenty of evidence to suggest, as you noted, that Zion and Brandon Ingram don't necessarily fit together. Brandon Ingram would have phenomenal value around the league and Zion's still young enough that whatever steps backwards you're taking by shipping out a recent all-star in Ingram, it's fine. Whether you're getting picks, players, some combination thereof, maybe you're selling off a few other pieces too. Maybe you're shipping out Valanciunas. Maybe you're shipping out uh, Hart. I I think build the team that you think best fits around Zion Williamson. And also with the knowledge now that Zion, you know, maybe you don't want him being point Zion when he comes back. Maybe the, the less burden or workload, the better... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, you know, thinking well, out loud kind of, here. Howard, this is kind of the problem with assessing Zion on the Pelicans. And it's not a Pelicans thing per se. It's that when I talk to coaches like and ask them like kind of what kind of players fit alongside Zion, nobody really knows. Like he's, I don't want to call anybody unique because there's, there's always players that are kind of like it, but he's a rare type of player. You know, kind of this like sturdy 6'9", ball handling. He's different. That, you know, he's a ball dominant guy as well. So I think it's still up for debate, like exactly what pieces make sense around Zion Williamson. I just wonder if, if you're, you're going nowhere, Ingram, you're not sure if he fits like with some combination of Moody, Kaminga, Wiggins, maybe some other kind of sweetener in there, make it work. So the Warriors could hold on to Wiseman, which they want to do and still get back a 20 point per game score, whatever Ingram is this year uh, to play alongside Curry and Thompson and be like the mini Durant, <laughs> like the like the shadow Durant right there. 
I'm not sure I actually, it's going to sound crazy. I'm not sure I want to give up Andrew Wiggins right now. <laughs> In addition well, to, you to young for, guys. You, you uh, no, but I, Ingram. For, for the right package, but I'm not sure if Ingram is the right package. And Ingram is great I'm with the not, ball I'm in not, his I'm hands. Not sold on, I'm not sold on Wiggins in the playoffs yet. Like, they need to... Not that, I'm, not that there's any evidence of, you know, Ingram doing anything in the playoffs, but I, I, I'd I much rather have Brandon Ingram there. We're, and, in a vacuum, I would rather have Brandon Ingram. But this Warriors team, which has always been about fit and chemistry and just being better than some other parts. Remember, they started off as the strength and numbers group. And yes, they have Steph Curry, who is an all-time great, and Klay Thompson, who I believe is an all-time great, should have been on the all, uh, on the 75th anniversary list. Um, but they have often been a collection of guys who you slot them into the right role, the Iguodala's and Sean Livingston's. Uh, and I like the idea of you know the chemistry that they've established there's some value to that. It's hard to quantify, and in a vacuum, you would take Ingram over Wiggins probably. And if you're a team that just needed to have a starting point, who are we building around? You could build around Ingram as one of your top two guys. I don't think we've seen the evidence. You can't build around Wiggins as one of your top two guys. But Wiggins on this Warriors team, especially with Clay coming back, he's shooting the daylights out of the three this year. He's at like 41 percent, and he three. defends. That's and he defends. You're right. What you know? You mentioned what Joe Lacob said about having kind of young guys there, though. Like Ingram's only 24, so even if you're giving up sure. Kaminga and Moody, like you're getting back a player that fits that mold, like that that yeah. young guy mold. So you're not sacrificing your future necessarily in giving up a player like um, like Wiggins. I also do think, so I think Ingram, if I'm not mistaken, was in the high 30s from three last year. You put Ingram in that position where he's playing off of Steph Curry and off of Klay Thompson and off of Draymond Green as a playmaker, he's probably going to shoot the same thing. Like he's probably going to find a way to fit in. <laughs> His percentages well will go up. System. Yeah, they will Every- go up. Yes, yeah. there's a there's a fallout from playing alongside those guys. Everybody's percentages go up when you're playing. You know, you know, with two of the greatest floor spacers in history. Um, you know, two of the greatest shooters in history. I mean, I, I like it. It's an intriguing possibility. I mean, I I think the, the hardest thing to, to to quantify or properly assess and and the and the risks of messing with is chemistry, right? Like, it, it's they've got something really good going right now, and there's already a question of just even what the ripple effects of reintroducing Clay Thompson and, and James Weissman will be. Um, I agree, and Ing- and I think Ingram too likes having the ball in his hands and a lot of control. So now he has to make that adjustment mid season to being. The guy who's now playing off of Steph. And or, I mean, like, does he? I mean, like, he will, but, like, Steph, Clay, and KD made it work. Those are three guys need the ball. Like, so, the, the system is what will make it work. Like, yeah, like, Steve Kerr's system is, you know, move the ball, fluid, thing, you know, floor spacing, all that. I, I just, I don't, I, don't, I don't think Ingram will be a problem with that group. The question, you're right. The question is, do you want to, like, shake up the team that much? But you're not. It's a roll really, the dice. Like, you're, 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 you're basically, what you're effectively doing for this year is swapping out Wiggins for Ingram. Because the other two guys are not, especially in the playoffs, are not going to be, I don't think, huge factors uh, for that team. Interesting to think about. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to finish. I want to finish, I guess, in Boston, but it's it's sort of about Portland as well. Uh, the Celtics road trip recently was a disaster. Like, their defense fell apart. Their offense is comically bad. They're going to get Jalen Brown back this week. That is certainly going to help. But that is a team, Howard. That is very average. They were a 500 team last year. They're around 500 right now. It's kind of who they are um, with this group. Um, they've got to make some decisions or make a decision on Dennis Schroeder. Uh, the Athletic reported that teams are expecting them to you know, test the waters, wherever you want to phrase it, about Schroeder. That makes sense because Schroeder's on a one-year deal and because of the Celtics cap situation, they probably can't bring him back because he's going to command a bigger salary next summer. He has been really good for them by and large this year. Uh, but something needs to change, I think, within this team. Now, I mentioned Portland. I don't know what Joe Cronin's going to do. He's using some interesting verbiage to like talk about like you know enhancing this group, and uh, you know he's not he's sort of straddling the fence on on what he wants to do. We know Lillard is not available right now. McCollum though. Is a different story. And if I'm the Celtics, I mentioned Smart and Rob Williams for Kyrie Irving, a deal that's not going to happen because of Kyrie's issues with Boston. Smart and Rob Williams for CJ McCollum? I'd do that too. Like, I'd, I'd be in on that if I was the Celtics. They need another scoring guard. Like, Smart has done the best he can as that 
that starting point guard. But that's just not who he is. He is a Swiss Army knife type defender. He is a guy that can give you points off the bench. He can be a spot playmaker. But <coughs> as your primary playmaker, I just don't think it works. And I think we've seen enough evidence of it over the first third of the season to believe it. It's not a criticism of Marcus Smart, who is a top-shelf defensive guy. Like, first or second team, all-NBA defense virtually every year. But they've got to change something in Boston. So would some combination of Smart and Rob Williams get it done to get C.J. McCollum out of Sacramento? Maybe you got to throw something else in, but if I'm being honest, Howard, besides Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, I'd give them anything they want. Like, you want Romeo Langford? Okay. Throw Dennis Schroeder into the mix? Sure. Uh, McCollum's young enough to fit into what the Celtics want to do with Brown and Tatum long-term. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would find a way to get C.J. McCollum into a Celtics uniform. So, you know, again, we don't know what C.J. McCollum's health status is or how long it's going to be before he's ready to be back on the court. Um, Let's hope it's sooner than later for, for his sake especially. And, you know, when the Blazers get to the point where they can then entertain moves and how to move forward, you and I have always agreed on this. It's, it's, it's time to break up the Lillard-McCollum backcourt and the only way forward for the Blazers to, to try to improve this, this roster around Lillard, who has again insisted for the 8 billionth time that he's not going anywhere and doesn't want to ask out, then McCollum is their best piece to move. It's, it's, they, there really aren't that... You, you can't keep nibbling around the edges. It's not going to work. So I agree that that's Portland's way forward. Boston's way forward is really tough because to me... You know, as essential as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are, like Marcus Smart is, he embodies everything else that at their best we like about them, right? When they're when when they're a defensive, uh, when when they are defensively tenacious, it's about Marcus Smart. When it's about um, their intensity, it's about Marcus Smart. When it's about somebody being willing to step up and say something, even if maybe he went a little too far publicly, he was the one who called out the stars for not moving the ball more. Like I. I I, I, I and they got to af- bounce off that. They got to bounce off that. They did. So I'd be afraid to, to give up somebody who brings all that to the table. I, do I want Marcus Smart as my primary point guard? No, I don't think that's his best role. Uh, but I love him as a player. And I mean, listen, on yeah, the other end, you're talking, Howard, you're talking about the like the Blazers. We've we both agree stale, right? Something's going to change. Something's going to kind of stale it. too. They're, this, they're the same. Like it's, maybe you're yeah. maybe you're swapping out pieces and yeah. it's not going to work, but. Like, the Celtics aren't going anywhere. Like, right, at just, some point. They're not. Yeah. It's the same and thing. And at some point, too, Howard, like, you start, I think Jalen Brown's got two years left in his contract. You know, Tatum's got, I think, one more. Uh, you have to start thinking about that long term. Like, I, I just got to shake things up there. You got to do something different. And Brad Stevens has not shown any hesitancy to do that. Like, he he shook up the roster uh, this uh, this past offseason a little bit. Kemba's gone. Fournier's gone. They made a couple of deals. Um I'd trade the young guys if they have any value now. Ime Yudoka does not like playing young players. I don't know why. Like he, like, you know, Romeo Langford finally got off the bench or started playing more minutes um, against Phoenix. You had Aaron Neesmith finally getting off the bench against Phoenix. Didn't play well. Uh, Peyton Pritchard can barely get off the bench with that team. These young players are not getting shots in Boston. So if if they have any trade value, I give them all up. Like clearly the Celtics aren't going to play them. But if you do smart Rob Williams and whatever else they want, Besides Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I would do it. I, I would just do it. And I'd I'd live with being able to fill in the space around McCollum, Brown, and Jason Tatum. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that the Celtics also have to do something more creative and bold. And if you're going to stick with Brown and Tatum, then Smart is your only other big chip. They to, should to stick trade. with Brown and Tatum, though. Like this, like I'm not there yet. Like McCollum and Lillard, I think we we established are not going to win anything. I'm not there yet with Brown and Tatum. It's like a Brown thing. has missed like he's missed a bunch of time this year, and well, like the critics of Jalen Brown. Um, disappeared on this recent road trip when he wasn't playing. It's like, well, we're getting Jalen Brown back this week. We'll be all right. Like, so I'm I'm not well, there with you know Brown and Tatum not uh, not working. The 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 reason they're not analogous is I mean one just longevity. McCollum and, and Lillard have been together a lot longer and and hit that brick wall many more times to give us the evidence we need if, if we needed it to say it's not working. They're not going to break through. Right. Brown and Tatum haven't been together as long, but also Brown and Tatum are a supersized version of Lillard and McCollum and also play, you know, can play both ways. Maybe don't all the time, but Jalen Brown at his best is all defensive caliber uh, defender. Tatum, I think, could get there uh, if he if he puts his, his mind to it. And the two of them together, because of their size and their, uh, you know, their, their just ability to cover more positions, like they have potential to, to reach a higher level, whereas McCollum and Lillard as an undersized backcourt we're always going to be limited by that. So it's, it is different. I do think that, you know, when you have some issues with, you know, ball control, chemistry, usage, all that stuff, because you've got two guys who both want to do a lot and they're both young and they're both like, that's a typical thing we've seen, you know, guys jockeying you know, for decades. That's just, you got to work through it. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I agree with you in general. It's probably too soon to judge the Brown Tatum pairing. Got to change the guys around them, though. They got it. You got to see what they can do with another lead guard, you know. And there aren't many of them out there. CJ McCollum might be the only one that's out there for the next couple of years. If you can get a shot at him, I think you got to go and take it. All right, Howard, good stuff, man. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about as trade season commences and uh, this season moves forward. We will do it again next week. Always a pleasure, my friend. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.